1: Welcome to Podsky Wee, Wee I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham.
1: Mike, I uh, usually we we back and forth here, do a little small talk, but there's so much news, especially in Ticat Land, to talk about that we just I just want to jump right into it. And right now I'm sitting here in one of our Podsky Wee Wee shirts, the Mazzoli Mania shirt, in celebration of the fact that after we recorded the last podcast, what happened? Jeremiah Mazzoli re-signed on a one-year deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. $350,000, uh $125,000 signing bonus. It could reach with incentives up to 370,000. I was over the moon. We're going we're going to talk about sort of the uh divisiveness amongst high cap fans when it came to Mazzoli signing, but I was ecstatic when I saw the news that he was coming back to Tiger Town. Mike, what do you think?
0: Oh, I I was I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Josh. I mean, This guy has uh, been our starter for several years now, and he's proven that he's uh, an elite quarterback in this league, I believe. Um, Like you just mentioned, there's some that don't believe that, but we'll get into that shortly. But, uh, yeah, it's just great to have him back, you know, the leader of the offense. um, There's going to be, I don't know what they're planning on in uh, going into training camp, if there's going to be an outright battle for that first position, for that QB1 position, but... uh, Either way, it's great to have Dane Evans locked up and great to have Jeremiah Mazzoli coming back as well.
1: It's unquestionably the best one two combo in, in the CFL at quarterback, right?
0: Oh, uh, I believe so. I can't think of a better combination. You know, there's yeah, I just can't think of anyone that's a, a one two combo, a backup quarterback you could bring in, you know, whether it be Mazzoli or Evans that comes in, you know, you you can't touch that in this league.
1: Who do you think has the leg up in the quarterbacking competition as of right now who do you think if you had to guess who's going to be the starter on opening day
0: if i had to guess i you know based on the money given out um i just have to go with mazzoli uh, i think there's a lot of loyalty to mazzoli on this team as well you know before he was injured he was the guy um he was going to be the guy that was going to lead us to the Grey cup in 2019 you know that it didn't work out that way but I truly believe if he didn't get injured, we still would have been in that game. Um, So to me, Mazzoli has the edge right now. Now that that could change, you know. Dane Evans came in and he did a tremendous job. He is a great quarterback as well. I love both of these guys. But I think game one, it's going to be Mazzoli as a starter.
1: I think so too. And I don't want to make this a Mazzoli versus Evans thing. And this is kind of what I hated about the sort of reaction to this signing is that it started to split the fan base, and I don't understand why TICAP fans are so quick to sort of eat their own, if you you know what I mean. The 2019 season proved you need two starting caliber quarterbacks to be a team in this league. How many starting quarterbacks missed time in 2019? I'm pretty sure no quarterback played all 18 games. You need two guys, and yeah, Evans was great, but that's a small sample size. I I, I do kind of wonder if these fans that are, oh, it should be Evans, you got to go with Evans. What are they saying about sort of Nick Arbuckle going to Toronto? Are they all are they saying, well, you know, he doesn't have a, as much experience and you, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. They want to kind of do that with Dane Evans. And this, I don't want to make this a Mazzoli versus Evans thing because I think both, in 2022, both of them will be starting quarterbacks in the CFL. One of them will be in Hamilton and one of them will be somewhere else, unfortunately. I don't know who it will be, but we're going to find out in 2021 which guy is going to lead this team for the foreseeable future, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think, you know, the old cliche of iron sharpens iron. You got two guys that, that are capable of starting. That's just going to make each of them better, and I know there's the the famous football saying of if you have two starting quarterbacks, you really have none. I don't think that's true anymore. I think the 2019 CFL season showed you need to, and I don't think the Ticats reach the Grey Cup. If Dane Evans isn't as good as he was down the stretch after Mazzoli got hurt, and I think with the with the contract Mazzoli signed, with the experience edge he has over Evans, he started I think forty five games to Evans fourteen. So it's like, yeah, Evans looked great in in the tail end of twenty nineteen, but to me, Mazzoli is the guy to to start the season as a starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I don't I don't like two quarterback systems where you're swapping out quarterbacks you know every other you know every other drive I I don't like that but I like the situation we have right now where there's a one and there's a two and either one or two can come in if there's an injury or someone's you know not playing well they can come in and they can they can you know pick up their boots and they can they can fill in very admirably so my advice to these fans is to just stop stressing you know this is a great situation to be in there will not be a divide in the locker room. You know, there's not. This team is um, a pretty solid unit from what I see. They just want to win. I have faith that Mazzoli and Evans are both mature professionals that are aware of the situation and will accept whatever role they are designated to. Um, that do I think they're they both want to be starters? Of course. I mean, they're they're competitors, but um, they know the situation. You know, there's going to be a starting quarterback and there's going to be a backup. So to me, it, it doesn't matter who the starting quarterback is in, for the Ticats in 2021. Um, I have tremendous confidence in, in both of these guys. Whoever, this, whoever the guy is, they will lead this team to a winning record, and they will give us a shot to be in the Grey Cup game. So to me, there's a lot of worrying going on, and um, I just don't see why.
1: So in the aftermath of the signing, I decided to be proactive. And I took some screenshots of some tweets and and Facebook posts from some Ticat fans and their negative reaction to Mazzoli's signing. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to give them the publicity, but these are sort of the things that you saw over and over again from Ticat, from a a very, and I must stress this, a very vocal minority of Ticat fans. You go to the post that the Ticats put up or the one that 3Down put up or wherever you saw any news of Mazzoli's re-signing, the vast majority of them are are fist pumps and and happy and and glad that he's back. But there's this vocal minority of Ticat fans. I just want to. I don't know if they just want to argue or if they just don't like Jeremiah. Mizzoli. For some reason, Jeremiah always not as beloved as he should be. I mean, maybe if they win a Grey Cup, he'll finally get his due. But for some reason, people just can't seem to embrace him as much as as some Ticats quarterbacks of the past. But here, here's a, a small sampling some of the negative reaction that we got from his always resigning. So eight and 12 over nine and two. No wonder we have no cups since 99. Uh, It better be the best guy. You know, the, that nine and two dude. The problem is one can't win QB two. We don't need two starters. We only need one. Uh, Why they wanted to spend that much money on a guy coming back from a serious injury and will be 33 in August is beyond me and just a simple waste of money. Now, I'd like to talk about the waste of money thing because at 350000 which up to three seventy, if you add in Evans' contract, you're looking at around half a million dollars for two quarterbacks. That's not a lot of money. Even in a CFL where quarterback salaries have been pushed down, salaries across the board have been pushed down, half a million dollars for two quarterbacks, both of whom can, well, I mean, one has proven he can take you to the Grey Cup. The other one, I believe, can take them to a Grey Cup. I don't think that's a lot of money a a year ago a season ago both both Levi Mitchell and Mike Riley were making well over seven hundred thousand dollars so to get two quarterbacks capable of putting up MOP type numbers and and leading this team to wins I don't think around a half a million dollars is is all that ridiculous and this nine and two record thing is Mazzoli went five and one as a starter in 2019 so five and one nine and two those are essentially even, I, I don't really understand where these fans are coming from in there. You're benching a guy that went nine and two. Okay. Well, you're benching a guy that went five and one, like what's the difference?
0: Yeah. And if Mazzoli didn't go down, you know, the records, he would have been, you know, they would have, they would have had around the same record. Probably, I, I would have been 14, 15, 15 and three, Absolutely. 16 and two, 14 and four, you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered who was leading that team because the team was so good Um, in front of them. So, I mean, obviously, you have to have a, a quality quarterback, but both of these guys are quality quarterbacks, and both of them would have had a really good record. And I believe if Mzoli was on this team the whole year, they would have been in the, the great Cup as well. And may, who knows? Maybe they would have won it, you know? You, you just don't, you don't know that. But uh, I don't think there would be any drop-off of this this team's record or this team's performance if uh, Mazzoli was in there the whole season.
1: No, and their stats, if you go look at their stats on a per-game <clears> basis <throat> from the 2019 season, they're very similar. Evans, his TD interception ratio was, was literally one touchdown pass. Like, Evans was, I think, in the games they started, I think Evans was 20 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, and Mazzoli was 9 touchdown passes and 6 interceptions, which is basically the same ratio. Uh, you know what I mean, and the yards per game, Evans was slightly ahead. Like it, it all, the completion percentage was very similar. Both over seventy percent completion percentage, which is incredible for a starting mm-hmm. quarterback. So, I I'm with you, man. I don't think that the Ty Cats would have fallen off a cliff. They were five and one. Like Mazzoli got hurt in the game that got them to five and one, and I don't think we would have seen them not continue to win. You look at the games that they lost. After that, they they lost—the very next week, they played a Thursday night game in Saskatchewan that they lost by, want, like, four or five points to the Riders. Mazzoli's in that game—again, nothing against Evans, but it was, his, it was his first real career start. It was his second career start, but his first real one that wasn't in sort of, like, garbage time which they he had the year before when they started him in the final game. It was his first—as you're the guy going forward because Mazzoli's not going to play, and he had kind of a rough outing. Didn't throw for 200 yards. It was—and, you know, Regina's always tough for the Ticats to play in, but you think of Mazzoli's in that game, he's probably good— for a couple extra points, maybe the Ticats actually win that one. And then you look at the other losses. They, the only other loss they suffered was in Calgary. And I mean, I don't care who was the quarterback in that game. We don't win in Calgary. That's just the way it is. So do you really think this team doesn't go 14, 15, 16 wins with Mazzoli? Cause, cause I, I think they do. So I don't think anything changes there. And I'm just, I just wish that we could embrace the fact that these guys want to play in Hamilton and want to be Tiger cats. And, like, Jeremiah Mazzoli could have fielded offers from Toronto and from Ottawa, in particular, who made their weird quarterback swap, and he would have been great there, but he, he wants to be here. He took less money to be here. I don't know, man. I, I just think it's uh, it's just this, it's this weird thing, and it just seems to be with Jeremiah Mazzoli, and I can't quite put my finger on why he's so disliked by such a small segment of the fan base.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me either. Um, you no, know, we should be happy about this. You know, we're not going to have this in the upcoming years, we're going to have to make it This is, it. This is the last year it. we this get these two guys. This is it. Yeah, we're we're going for it. You know, the great cups at home. Um, they want to win. Two quarterbacks is a good thing. There's, You know, there's not going to be any, you know, uh, divide in the locker room or anything like that. Um, these guys, if they, if they, say if Dan Evans was unhappy about the situation that Mazzoli signed. He'd, he'd ask to get out, out of his contract. I mean, players do that all the time. If they're unhappy with the situation, then they leave. Dane Evans knows he's a starting quarterback. He's a he's a quality quarterback. So if, if he wanted out of the situation, he would ask for it. But, you know, he doesn't. Um, I'm not inside his head, obviously. I don't know how he feels exactly. But I'm pretty sure he's happy to be a tight cat, and he's happy with the situation. And I, I think that him and Mazzoli are, are pretty close. So um enjoy this year Ticat fans you know it, it, we're not going to have this going forward and it's a huge advantage for our team
1: well and we fans media what have you make these things bigger than what they are 2016 Trevor Harris signs in Ottawa to be the backup quarterback to Henry Burris and he starts the season as the, as the backup quarterback and he had had a wonderful year in Toronto and everyone was talking about quarterback controversy quarterback controversy Burris started the season, gets hurt in the first game. Harris has to play a few games, plays spectacularly well. Ottawa had a really good team that year, like talent-wise. They finished with eight wins, but they win the division, and they win the damn Grey Cup with Henry Burris in kind of his last hurrah. So you can make these quarterback situations work, and that was one where they airlifted a guy in. This is two guys who have been teammates now going on three years that know each other, that understand what's going on. This isn't you know, Mazzoli's there as the, as the grizzled veteran, and they're like, we need to get this young guy in here to push this guy out. These are two guys that have been on the same squad for a number of years now, and I don't, th- yeah, okay, one of them is going to be disappointed they're not the starting quarterback, and that's understandable. Every player on the team who's not a starter is disappointed that they're not a starter, whether you're a quarterback, an offensive lineman, or the kicker, you know what I mean? Like, everyone wants to be the guy at their position, I just don't see this being an issue. I think it's going to be made into an issue. You know, every poor pass or or interception, Mm -hmm. you're going to see people talk about, well, they should put Evans in or vice versa, whether it's Evans starts and Mazzoli is the backup. I I don't know. I I think the Ticats, you look at the roster up and down, and we'll get into the other signings next. This team is loaded for a Grey Cup run, and this signing Mazzoli and having these two quarterbacks, I think it's just further proof that that's exactly what they're doing. They're loading up to win the Grey Cup in 2021.
0: Yep, having these two guys is part of the plan for mm-hmm. the Grey Cup run. So, yeah, I'm uh it, it's unfortunate that some Ticat fans are are so worried about this situation and upset about it, but uh there's nothing to be upset about. There's nothing to be worried about. Everything's going to be fine at the quarterback position.
1: Everything's also going to be fine in the defensive backfield with the return of Frankie Williams. And Kerry mm-hmm. Brooks. Now, Williams also produces on special teams, most notably on special teams, because he was, of course, the 2019 most outstanding special teams player. But uh, getting these two guys back to sort of solidify that uh, secondary is – Pretty darn good. Williams going to provide the the special teams boost, and Brooks I think is one of those what Drew Edwards used to call uh, a a sneaky underrated signing because he's not a guy who's going to attract a lot of attention signing back with the club, but he's a guy who put in an all star caliber season. I believe he was an East Division All Star. The last time these, uh, I think in 2019, he was in East Division All Star. So he's he's not a household name, but he's a guy who teams up with Delvin Bro on that boundary side there, and and makes a pretty lockdown over there. So getting both these guys back, uh, I think, is a real boost to the defense.
0: Absolutely, Karyll Brooks uh, started 17 games for the Ty Cats at uh, defensive halfback in 2019. Uh, he had a career high with 57 defensive tackles and one quarterback sack, two interceptions. Seven pass knockdowns and one tackle for loss, so uh, uh, he was an All Star in 2018, an East Division All Star. Uh, not, I'm not sure if he was in 2019 nope. or not. No, okay, it was 18.
1: Okay, I knew he was an All Star yeah. at some point.
0: Yeah, he was, and uh, the point is that uh, he's a great football player, and uh, and I'm happy to have him back in that secondary.
1: Yeah, and Frankie Williams, what what can you say about a guy that is was an award winner? He was. Yeah. Again, I know we give a lot of credit to Jeff Reinbold and his return in 2019 for the, the special teams taking a leap, but you also need the players to do it as well, and Frankie Williams mm-hmm. proved that he was the best return man in the CFL, and the fact that he plays starter minutes on defense as the uh, uh, fieldside corner and also does what he does in special teams is uh, it's a throwback to sort of like the, the old school days of, of uh, two-way players, but... No, it's nice to get both these guys back under contract. Williams, I think, is gonna be a tremendous addition to, to, to both or trends return on both defense and special teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Frankie Williams, one of the most exciting players to watch in uh, two thousand nineteen with his with his kick returns and his punt returns. He was uh he was great for this team and we've been spoiled over the years, I think. Uh well recently with uh with our returners, you know, with Brandon Banks and Frankie Williams, and there's been a couple other guys sprinkled in there. Carl have... was
1: in there for a bit, yep, and, yep. uh, yeah, there's been, uh, it seems the Ticats always find a way to find good return, return guys.
0: Mm-hmm, and it wasn't always like that when I was growing up, and, you know, it seemed that we didn't really have that big return guy. Oh, I forgot but, about Marcus uh, Thigpen. Marcus Thigpen, another great guy, another great one that, uh, did great things in the special teams, and then helped out the offense as well, but, uh. Yeah, it's always fun to have a guy back there that, you know, on every kick, could break he it. He could bring it back. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm overjoyed to have both those guys back. Yeah,
1: you never look away on a punt when Frankie Williams is back there. That's for no, sure. No. Uh, the last signing the Titans made, re-signing, I should say, that this one took me by surprise. Uh, Friday they announced that they had signed DeVere Posey to a one year deal. He signed prior to the 2020 season in free agency. I personally thought that he was going to go elsewhere. I thought he was almost a lock to be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber because my feeling was that they brought Posey in as sort of a replacement for Braylon Addison because Braylon Addison signed in the NFL. So I thought, okay, they lose Addison, they bring in Posey. All right, that, that's, that's a good swap. But then when Addison came back on Christmas Day, I figured, okay, that pro- as much as I would have liked to have had him back, my thinking was, okay, he's probably going elsewhere. And then, lo and behold, he comes back as well. And there's a lot of debate, Mike, over who has the best receiving core in the CFL. I think it's unquestionably. There's some good ones out there. Edmonton's is pretty good with with the duo of Darrell Walker and Greg Ellingson. Toronto made a bunch of moves to get some receivers in there. I think they're looking pretty good. But when you had the tag team tandem of Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison, the killer bees, and now you add on top... To the trio, adding a former Grey Cup MVP, I don't know, man. It's it's pretty tough. I think to to roll three better than than Posey, Banks, and Addison. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, like you said, there's a lot of talented guys out there, a lot of talented groups um, that are being assembled right now. But uh, I got to give the edge to the Ty Cats. Posey, Banks, Addison, Ackland. Does it even matter who that fifth guy is? I mean, really? Not really. Um, that foursome is. Uh, on paper, is dangerous, scary to look at. Um, I don't know. you know, you, All those guys have the potential to be 1,000-yard receivers. Um, the question is, are, are they all going to get the balls that they want? You know, Is there going to be enough to go around? And uh, I think they'll make it work. Obviously, they have a plan. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see any other team with a better receiving group than this one.
1: You have a former Grey Cup MVP in Posey. You have the reigning league's best player in Brandon Banks. You have maybe the most versatile offensive weapon in the entire league in Braylon Addison. And you brought up Jalen Acklin, who's flying under the radar, who had a tremendous season in 2019 as a rookie. You you look at that, that as a Survivor Series roster, man, that's like Stone Cold, The Rock, (laughs) Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. Like, they're unstoppable. If you take one of them away, three of them are going to burn you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely not Shawn Michaels and the Knights and the Survivor Series. You know?
1: <laughs> no, no, or 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 uh, Doink wow. and and the the, the little guys. And the,
0: yes. No, some not, not at that all. No, that, people but, won't, <laughs> won't understand.
1: <laughs> no, but come on, man. Like you, you put these this group together. You got the the Mad Scientist Tommy Condell. The, oh, it's just. I say it a lot, but, man, I'm drooling at the anticipation of what this offense could look like because you got Posey, who's, who's a little bit bigger than the other guys, but also can take the top off the of defense as well. you got Banks, who still has world-class speed. you got Addison, who does all the, the gritty stuff and can do pretty much whatever you want. And you throw Acklin in there, you're right. The, the fifth guy, whether it's an American like Marcus Tucker or whether they find a Canadian to play that spot, it, it almost doesn't matter because who are you going to cover who are you going to leave yeah. open? Who are you going to leave in one-on-one coverage? Are you going to play zone and just let, let Mazzoli or Evans just kind of dink and dunk down the field? Because, I mean, like I said, they both had over 70% completion percentages in 2019. You know that they're going to find those guys open no matter where they are. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun watching this offense operate in 2021.
0: Absolutely. And then you add in a guy like Sean Thomas Erlington who can catch the For ball sure. in the backfield, or Don Jackson. Um, don't forget my Don't forget Nikola Kalinic. Is, uh, you know, the, all those receivers are great, um, but if you don't have time to throw the ball, then you're oh, going to be Oh,
1: here gosh. we go. Here we go. Mike always worried about the offensive line. All right, let's talk about free agency. Let's look at the Cats, And you could talk about the offensive line here because I know that that's where you want to go. Uh, the Cats still have a couple of players from their 2019 slash 2020 roster that are unsigned. Uh, Rico Murray. Justin Herdman-Reed, Larry Dean, Patrick Levels, Brett Golding, Brian Jones, and Mike Filer. I know you want to talk about Mike Filer. I know you want to talk about left tackle, so let's just get into it now, Mike. The offensive line, you're concerned, aren't you?
0: I'm worried. I'm worried. Now, we brought back some great guys, Revenberg, Sirocco, Van Zyl, but we still got two very important positions that are are a question mark on the offensive line, left tackle and center. Now... I have like I've said before in in many episodes I have confidence in the in the split GMs you know I have confidence in this team that they're going to bring in guys and fill positions that are, are worries for this fan base but I wish they would bring back Filer um I wish they had a, a experienced left tackle um because we saw a couple years ago when um, you know when we had a couple holes on this offensive line specifically left tackle Caleros was the quarterback and he got absolutely killed absolutely killed back there we had a terrible season um, so to me you know There's there's guys in the pipeline. I'm trying to figure out who might you know replace a center like Mike Filer and might be the the left tackle and the only guy I can come up up with for left tackle is Tate um, He's the only guy I can find on this roster with experience at that position and that's in college he hasn't played a game in the CFL at left tackle. Um, so to me, I, I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried, Josh. I'm worried about this offensive line, two positions that are, are question marks right now. And I'm worried that defensive lines are just going to, you know, flow through at those positions at the left tackle and the center. They're just going to break through and the quarterback's going to be under pressure all the time. So maybe I'm uh, worrying too much about it, but let's just say I'm a little concerned.
1: I, I hear your concerns, and I'm here to alleviate them for you, sir. Okay. I want Mike Feiler back just as much as you do. But the Ticats have invested back-to-back first-round picks in offensive linemen. Coulterwood Manzi was their first-round pick in 2020. And Jesse Gibbon, the Hamilton boy, was their first-round pick, second overall, that they got from the Montreal Alouettes, in 2019. I don't know if either can play center. I think Gibbon can. I do know that Brandon Revenberg can play center. And I do know that Darius Sorako can play center. So I, there is... If they decide to move on from Mike Filer, which is entirely possible, because they have spent the last couple of years kind of flirting with the idea. Do you remember, I want to say it was 2018. Filer did not start the season as the team starting center. They had an American there whose name... I can't remember. And then he, like, left the team after, like, a week or two, and then Feiler got his job back and has played as the starter ever since. But there's always – they 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 were hesitant to bring him back. I remember there was a, a piece – I think it was, he was either on three down or it was in the spec, I don't remember – that they were hesitant to bring him back because he had gained so much weight they wanted him to lose some weight before they could, they could bring him back. And I'm not here to denigrate Mike Feiler. I love Mike Filer. And I think he's been – for someone who had the unenviable task of filling in for an all-time – high cat legend and Marwan Hage. I think Mike Filer has done a more than adequate job filling in for Hage over the last, well, what is it now? Six, seven seasons. Yep. But I do think at some point you have to let the young kids play. You draft these guys with the hope that they will supplant the veterans and become starters. I could see that happening. So I'm not as concerned, I think, as you are about the center position because I do think there are options on this roster. It would deal with some reshuffling along the offensive line. But I think with Sirocco, Revenberg, and Van Zyl back, I think you can kind of cover up for it. It, it, Let's let's say, we'll use a hypothetical because I've seen this float out there. They move Sirocco to center and they put Jesse Gibbon as the team's uh, guard. I think playing between Sirocco and Van Zyl can kind of cover up any sort of mistakes that he might make early on in his career. Left tackle, though, I will admit, is a bit of a problem area. You're right, Travon Tate is the only guy on the roster that I can see as well that has starting left tackle experience, and yes, it was in college. But I'd like to bring up a name that I know that you hold near and dear to your heart, and it's Riker Matthews. Riker Matthews left to go to the BC Lions. Before Riker Matthews played, we didn't know anything about Riker Matthews. He was just—he was a guy that I saw on the roster and saw in training camp. Well, he's a big boy, and I can't wait to see him play. And then he played, and he played fantastic. And he started on the right side. And then he moved to left tackle last year or last season, not last year, last season, when the Ticats brought in Van Zyl, and then Riker went over to the left side and played pretty well. Again, much like with the Filer thing, sometimes you got to let the young guys play. And maybe Tate's the guy. Maybe he's not the guy. But if you look at sort of the free agents that are available, it's not like there's a lot of options out there. The only one I could find, and I, and I think he could end up being a tie cat, quite frankly, is Justin Renfro. Uh, played for the Stamps, played for the Lions. I believe he signed with Edmonton prior to 2020. But now that they've brought back Sir Vincent Rogers, he's on the outs, he's going to be hit free agency. I could see that. Again, another guy who played mostly right tackle, but as an American, probably played some left tackle as well. There's not... I, 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 I understand your concerns, but I think that there's enough. I have enough faith in the team that I think that they might find a way with a younger guy or, or an, an, a relative unknown to sort of make up for the fact that they don't have sort of that stalwart left tackle. It, it just sucks because it seems to be the question or the, the debate we have every single year because they never seem to have a solidified offensive line outside of the Canadian guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, um, you've, you convinced me on this center position that they can, you know, they can fill in for that and they can make it work, but I, I I'm still holding my concerns about the left, ta- left tackle position. Sure. And, um, you know, I think I'll hold that until I see these guys play. No offense to Trayvon Tate, you know, big dude, six four, two ninety five, 295 um, went to the, uh, college Memphis, um, You know, played a lot of games at a high level in NCAA football. Uh, We're just going to have to wait and see how he transitions to the pros. And uh, maybe he's the next Riker Matthews, and I'll fall in love with him as well. But uh, until I see, you know, this unit together uh, and this left left tackle play, um, I'll be a little concerned. So
1: of the other guys left, obviously Mike Filer is your number one guy that you're hoping to come back but are these other guys left murray herdman reed dean levels golding and, and jones anyone else that you you hope signs back with the ticats maybe before free agency or even just after free agency starts
0: well yeah the other position uh, grouping that i'm a little concerned about is, is the linebackers um we got simone lawrence back you know the guy um an all-time tiger cat but uh, we need to fill in those other two positions. And uh, to me, to bring back Larry Dean and Levels would be... Uh, those would be my, like, top two right now to bring back on this Cat team. Because, you know, maybe... And uh, maybe I'm just being a spoiled brat of a fan. And, <laughs> you know, I don't realize, you know, that they can't bring back everyone. Um, and there's been some rumors out there, you know, in uh, John Hodges' piece, um, The Insider insiders um, there was a mention one of the executives said that uh, Ella Mimian could end up a tiger cat and um, you know I, I just rather have a Larry Dean back um, so those are my top two guys in the, at the linebacker position Dean and levels I want that I want to see them back in tiger cat uniform
1: yeah I have levels ahead of Dean um, I think if you go back to the last <laughs> podcast we did I believe I had levels as my number two must bring back guy because it's so much harder to replace a Sam linebacker, I think, than it is to replace a middle linebacker. There are a lot yeah. of potential middle line. If there's one position grouping that is robust with with potential upgrades, and, and again, this is not a knock at Larry Dean. I think Larry Dean is one of the top five linebackers, middle linebackers in the CFL, there there are some, there's Micah Awe, there's Cam Judge, theres you mentioned Solomon Elamimian. Uh, and, and there's Dean himself there's there's quite a few linebackers that maybe the Ticats cats could look to make a change. Uh, but with Sam linebacker with Patrick levels, one of the best at his position, a guy who can play Sam who can kick out to say the boundary halfback position or even uh, the field halfback position he, he's a versatile player. He's one of those guys that I, I think is almost he he's the last I think must resign for the for the Ticats cats for me. Uh, The other guys, you know, I'd like to have Dean back. I'd like to have Fyler back. I'd love to have Rico Murray back. I'm a big fan of Rico Murray's, and Mm -hmm. I thought he was excellent in 2019. Another guy sort of in the Levels mold, just not as good as Levels, and that's not a knock at Murray. That's just telling you how good Levels actually is. I think he's the guy that if they let him get away, that's probably the one hole. Now, now if if Levels signs somewhere else but Rico comes back, then you, you plug Rico into that same spot, and I don't think the defense misses a beat. But then you got to okay. What do they do out out at, at uh, field halfback? That becomes the question mark then. But I think Levels for me is the guy that of all these guys left is the one that I most hope to get the notification that he has signed a new deal with the Tie Cats.
0: Yeah, I'd have to <clears throat> i have to agree with you with you on that. Um, you know, we never got to see Patrick Levels play in a Tie Cat uniform, and I, I was really excited about the signing last year. Um, you know if. If they can't get Dean, that's okay, I guess. Uh, maybe they bring in Alamimian, and he's a little bit older, and uh, but maybe he comes at a cheaper price now that he's uh, at that advanced age and uh, nearing the end of his career. Um, but, yeah, to have to have a guy at the uh, short side linebacker position would be, yeah, the ideal get, you know, the I- ideal return, getting Patrick Levels back in that position.
1: Well, And don't forget, when it comes to Alamimian, he has experience in this defense. Mark Washington mm-hmm. was his defensive coordinator from 2014 to 2018, and in 2014, Washington's first year as a defensive coordinator with the Lions, Elamimian was the best, was the league's top defensive player and won league MOP. So again, I know that that was seven years ago at this point, and obviously, Elamimian has seven years of wear and tear on him. But he knows this system, so whereas Larry Dean, as much as he was with the Ticats, he wasn't with Mark Washington. Last year, the last season he played was in Edmonton when Washington's first year as D coordinator in Hamilton. So again, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either player, quite frankly. I think Dean's a more longer-term solution than than Elamimian uh, would be, because I believe Dean's 31, and I think Elamimian's 34, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on the ages, but they're they're I think they're both in their 30s, but Elamimian is a little bit older. Uh, but I, I think as much as I'd like to see Larry Dean return, I think there is some value to be found. The Ticats have spent a lot of money on retaining some of their own guys. So maybe there's some cost cutting here as well. And like you said, maybe Ella comes in at a little bit cheaper price and with his familiarity with the offense, I don't think you'd see a huge or defense. I mean, sorry. I don't think you'd see a huge drop off in in the level of play. Uh, is there anything else uh, position wise or anything where you're looking at the Tie cats and going, man? I hope they kind of target someone here because we've we've talked about linebacker, we talked about Sam, we've talked about the offensive line. Is there anywhere else you think that they kind of need to maybe maybe look or maybe you have a player or two that you think might be a, a guy that could be on the tight radar?
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, unless they're planning on scoring touchdowns every drive, um, they're going to need some kind of kicker or punter.
1: I saw so, on Twitter uh, that they signed one. I. I I can't remember at- what his name was, Mike I oh, wanna yes. say his name was Mike Graham.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, I, don't, I that guy's a bum, so I don't think <laughs> that's gonna work out. Um guy could couldn't kick fifteen yard field goal if he had to save his life. So I think they're <laughs> gonna have to look at some other options there, Josh.
1: Okay, okay. So is there anyone any potential free agent you think might be there, or do you think this is one of those other uh, you know, the old school what we've had the last few years? Kind of kicking competitions we'll see in camp because I believe they have a guy by the name of Matthew White signed right now, a rookie kicker. But uh you know, with a team this good, it's it's always scary the idea of of a rookie kicker going out there. You know, need to nail a forty eight yarder with no time on the clock to win a game. Although I don't think the Ticats are going to be in very many t- uh, uh, positions where they're going to need a field goal at the end of the game to win. I think they're, I mean, I think they're going eighteen to zero and winning the great Cup. But that's just that's neither here right. nor there.
0: Right? Yeah. There's uh You know, that's what they've been going with in the last couple of years, right? They just sign a guy and be like, this is our guy. And some fans are upset and they don't, it's not, you know, a well-known kicker. Although they've had Howard Lahu um, the last couple of years, who's been an experienced guy in this league, who's now um, trying his luck in the NFL. But uh, there's not really many free agents out there. There's Medlock. I thought Medlock might be a free agent, but... uh, I mean, <clears throat> you're going to have to probably pay more than you would, uh, you know, just some guy that you're bringing in with no experience. So, I mean, if they could get Medlock at a good deal, I'd like to see him back. He's a, <clears throat> he's one of the best field goal kickers, you know, that I've ever seen in this league. He might be, he might go down as the best ever. Yeah. Yeah, he might. And, and a former tie cat at that. So, um, I'd love to have him back, but, uh, you know if they find someone that i don't know they've been doing it they've done it in the past and it's worked out so uh, you know i might be a little bit worried but um, uh, i think that they'll find someone that will do a you know do a good enough job for this team
1: yeah i could i i would like to see medlock return because of what he's done with the team in the past uh but yeah i'm i'm not overly concerned about the king position because i do think they're going to be scoring a heck of a lot of touchdowns and not really need a kicker, all that often, except for maybe kickoffs and, and punts and what have you. I do have a couple of guys, though, kind of under the radar guys that I don't think they're not at positions necessarily the Cats need, but they're guys that I think may be. I mean, I know they'll be fan favorites if they sign because they're both from the area, but Daniel Peterman, who uh is a wide receiver from the Bombers, went to McMaster. He's from Stony Creek, he's local, he's Canadian, could fill that fifth receiver slot. He's kind of stuck on the depth chart in Winnipeg behind Drew Wollitarski, so I could see maybe Peterman coming back home to the hammer. And uh, a special teams guy from Calgary, Eric Mezzalera, who's also a Mac guy who's from Hamilton, and actually, this is a little bit of a personal note, I worked with a girl who's actually really close friends with with him and went to high school and like like elementary school and everything with him, so... He's he's a Hamilton guy. He he can contribute on special teams. You you get these Canadian guys like they signed Justin Herbman Reed a year ago basically to fill that role as sort of uh, one of the one of the key Canadians on special teams. Mezzalera has sort of carved himself out that role in Calgary. He's a pending free agent as well. A couple of Hamilton guys. I mean I know Peter Miss Stony Creek, but Stony Creek is essentially Hamilton. So a couple of Hamilton guys I think could be on the move to the Hammer just because. When it comes to these Canadian guys that are not necessarily guaranteed starters, you kind of tend to see them, if they can, come back home. You see a lot of guys go back mm-hmm. to Saskatchewan who are from Saskatchewan, and you do see a lot of guys from the Hamilton area sign with, you know, usually sometimes it's Toronto, but a lot of times it's it's Hamilton as well. So those are two guys that I think I would keep an eye on when free agency opens on Tuesday that could, could be signing with the Ticats. They won't make, you know, they're not headline splash Names, but there are a couple of local guys that I think could be Ticats when free agency opens.
0: Yep, not big stars, but uh, could have an impact on this team, so keep an eye out for that.
1: All right, let's do... We did it last year, and it was really fun, where we sort of laid out all of the quote-unquote big-name free agents that were left when we recorded and kind of took guesses as to where they would land. I don't have last year's on us. I mean, it's over a year ago now that we did that. I'm sure we were very wrong on most of them, so uh it's still fun nonetheless so I'd like to sort of bounce some off you Mike and we can talk about uh, each player individually and we can kind of you know take a guess as to where they might land Uh, I'm going to save the quarterback position for the last because there's one guy that I want to talk about and it's a Canadian quarterback which I know is your favorite topic of conversation so we'll save him till the end but let's start with the running back position we got former Ticat uh former Edmonton football team player and presumably former BC line John White scheduled to hit free agency you think I could see him maybe not even landing with a team as good as he is I love John White loved when he was here with the cats loved watching him play in Edmonton I do kind of wonder if maybe he's kind of left out in the cold you know running backs they get up there in the in their 30s and they tend to get pushed out for younger guys but uh let's let's work on the assumption that these guys will be signed where could you see John White ending up
0: John White yeah you know I would um if we weren't playing this game I tend to lean your direction that uh, you know when running backs get up there in age um you know they they usually just you know don't re-sign anywhere and uh, they're they're usually out of a job because you know running backs is a young person's game and uh you know, you can find a lot of running backs out there for for on the cheap, and they're you know they're just as effective as some guys like John White, who are veterans in this league. But, um, you know, I'm just I'm gonna go with the team that seems to be signing every free agent, um, out there that are you know and, and they're and they're a little bit you know longer in the tooth. I'm gonna go with the Toronto Argonauts. sign John White.
1: That's where I'm going too. I, I think the same thing. Uh, again, I. I do think that he doesn't get signed. And I think, unfortunately, his career might be over as good as he is. But I think if there's a team out there that's going to take a flyer on him, I think it's going to be a team like Toronto because they're kind of – it almost feels like they're just loading up on veterans in the hopes of -hmm. of competing in in 2021. And I'm not sure what their backfield looks like right now. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that they have.
0: Same, same.
1: So – John White would be an upgrade, I think, over whoever they have there, so yeah i'm going I'm going throw John White to Toronto as well uh only other running back that I think really has any sort of name value, Shaq Cooper from Edmonton has had a uh, a few good games with with Edmonton, but never really took command of a starting job, but he's a younger player, someone who could uh could make an impact if given a, a, a more featured role. Where do you think he might end up
0: i I'm, I'm I'm looking at calgary um you know, they lost a guy like Don Jackson to the Tide Cats. I can't think of who their running back is. Terry Williams, I think. Oh, okay, so they got Terry Williams. He was pretty admirable. Um, you know, splitting the the touches with Don Jackson the last couple of years, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's a young guy. They could steal him away from Edmonton. I know Calgary's not really huge um, in picking up free agents. Uh, they like to stick with their own guys, and and they've been tremendously successful. Obviously, over the last twenty, it seems like my whole lifetime, they've been a really good team. So they know how to do it. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say the Stampeders pick up a guy like Shaq Cooper.
1: I I'm gonna say Ottawa. They don't it was really Shaq ha-
0: Cooper, right? That's
1: yeah, yeah, Shaq like, Cooper. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, there's another Shaq in the league that I was worried that uh, <laughs> you were, the making, you were mixing them up for. Her? That's fair.
1: Um, I I said Ottawa. I think Ottawa, they don't really have a running back. They just released John Crockett, who I thought would be their starter going into this upcoming season. And they, I mean, Ottawa is kind of bereft of talent right now, for being honest, uh, as much as I enjoy that, being uh, the resident Red Blacks hater that I am. Uh, I think a guy like Shaq Cooper will will look really good in a uh, mark. Jesus. And at Paul Lapolis offense. So I'm going to say the Red Blacks pick up Shaq Cooper. Uh, let's move to the offensive line, Mike. Not a lot of big-name guys here either. Some big players, don't get me wrong, both literally and figuratively, but not a lot of big names. First one is Canadian Matt O'Donnell, uh, 6'11", mountain of a man, one of the tallest players in professional football history. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be back in Edmonton. So where could you see Matt O'Donnell landing?
0: That's a tough one. I'm not sure on the uh, statuses of all the offensive lines in the league. Um you know, obviously I try to focus on the on the Tiger Cats but uh huh Matt O'Donnell has been a fixture on the offensive line of the Edmonton S- or the Edmonton football team for <laughs> for a minute oh, I that years. out <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff Um I'm going to I'm going to say he goes to test free agency um he and there's not enough offers out there I think he's going to I think eventually the uh, the Edmonton football team will bring him back after he tests free agency
1: neat okay you know what i kind of think the same thing i think with these stalwart players i don't like that 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 we're agreeing on so many of these things that means that we're going to be so very wrong um but i think the same sort of thing i think he'll go out there kind of test the market not really see anything worth his while to leave and eventually find his way back to edmonton so we're we're in agreement there uh the second and last offensive line we're going to talk about Also from Edmonton, although he never played a game in the green and gold. Justin Renfro, American offensive tackle. We talked about him a bit uh, when we were talking about uh, potential ads for the Ticats. What do you think? Where do you think he might land up?
0: Uh, He has position at the left tackle? Or does he have experience at the left tackle, rather?
1: Uh, He does, not professionally, but in college.
0: Well, look at that. Look at that. Uh, maybe I'm going to throw him to the Tiger Cats then. <laughs> Me too. What the heck? Damn it. What the heck?
1: Yeah, you know, same we here. We need to
0: tackle. Um, he has a little bit of experience, more than uh, what we have on the roster right now. So, uh, yeah, Tiger Cats.
1: All right. I also picked the Tiger Cats for the same reason uh, that you just laid out. Uh, defensive line. We, now, now we're starting to get in some uh, a bit bigger names. It feels like the, the defensive players are more of where the future Hall of Famers slash like, star players are, are being able to test the waters. And this one, it kind of took everyone by surprise when Montreal announced they would not be bringing John Bowman back. He doesn't feel like he wants to retire. It looks like he wants to play at least one more season. Where could you see the future Hall of Famer Bowman ending up?
0: Argos. You think
1: with all, even with Hughes and Cordero Law, I mean, I guess Bowman as a as a rotational guy, wouldn't be that bad, but yeah, you think, the yeah, I mean, he's
0: getting up there in age. Um, you know, you'd probably get him for a cheaper price than what you would in previous years. Um, you know, when he was closer to his prime. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to throw out the Argos just because they just seem to be signing everyone. And, uh, he's a big name. So, um, that seems to be their strategy right now. Um, and maybe it works out for them. Maybe it doesn't, but, uh, yeah, I could see them making a splash trying to pick him up.
1: Hmm. All right. Uh, I think Ottawa. Again, I th- I just think that Ottawa is just lacking in so many areas. I think a guy like John Bowman could really provide that veteran leadership that they don't have a ton of. I know they have Brad Sinopoli there, and they just signed Matt Nichols, but it's not a very veteran-heavy team. So I could really see them uh, making a splash, bringing in John Bowman on like a one-year thing, especially because – Bowman spent his entire career in Montreal. Ottawa's a hop, skip, and a jump from Montreal. So it's still kind of in the same area. Probably doesn't have to move too much. You know what I mean? Like, when when I see these, like, long-term veterans be like, oh, you kind of look at where they're close to. And, I don't know, I think it's a safe bet to kind of peg the closest team to them, especially if it's, like, a driving distance away. So I, I could see Bowman landing in Ottawa. Armando Seawell is heading to free agency. I uh, gave his goodbye to the Edmonton fan base in the city of Edmonton on Instagram or Twitter. I can't remember what it was uh, about a week ago. So he's definitely not going back to Edmonton. Uh, I didn't think he would ever leave uh, Edmonton. So this is kind of a surprise for me. Where do you think he might end up?
0: Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, I I know Sewell a little bit. I I see him um, at my place of work uh, quite a bit, or I used to. He's a really nice guy, and I'm with you. I thought he'd be – on the Edmonton football team for life, you know he's like a six-time All Star or something like that. He's, he's a
1: future Hall of Famer.
0: He's a few fu- yeah, absolutely. He's been a a rock in the middle of that off our defensive line for for many years on the run stop and getting after the quarterback. He's a tremendous player. Um, yeah, th- that's a that's a tough one. Obviously, he's he's not coming back to the Eskimo to the gosh darn it, the football team. <laughs> Hey, um, dude, look,
1: we're gonna make. Uh, let, let's be upfront about it. That is gonna be a mistake that everyone makes for a very long time until they actually get a a, a real nickname. Name. We're gonna yeah. screw that. That's gonna be a screw up that that people are gonna yeah. make. I I have to stop. If you go back and listen to some of our shows, you'll you'll hear me pause as I'm about to like. There's only so many ways you can describe the team like just saying Edmonton over and over again mm-hmm. that it's like, mm-hmm. uh Edmonton team like yep. you know what I mean? Like it's tough. So <laughs> there's no reason to to freak out about it all that didn't make me laugh.
0: Uh okay, so yeah, who who needs uh an experienced defensive tackle? I mean who doesn't? Well, that's true. Let's say I'm just flying by the in my seat here let's go with the hmm Toronto Argos no just kidding. No, <laughs> let's go with the hmm I think uh, maybe Saskatchewan Saskatchewan okay. bring him in I'm, I'm not sure you know I'm I'm just throwing it out there I'm not sure their defensive tackle how they're sitting right now but uh I mean yeah it makes sense to me if you see see well with the Rough Riders. Yeah, I don't know why. It's I, I
1: agree. That does kind of look, in my head, that looks yeah. right. But I picked Calgary. And again, kind of similar to the John Bowman thing. You're not leaving too far from where you're comfortable. Doesn't, doesn't he, like you say you see him at work all the time. Doesn't he live in Edmonton? Like, doesn't he want to be like a police officer or something when he retires? Yes, that's so, true. Yeah.
0: He lives in Edmonton year-round, which a couple of years ago is... Why I thought he was a Canadian. Um, I remember we were doing a <laughs> list of some sorts, and I mentioned Seaball as a Canadian, and I got hacked for it, which I deserve. But in my defense, I see him a lot, so and he, he lives year-round in Canada, so that's why I thought he was Canadian. But yes, yeah, he uh, he's here, so I think that his home is going to be in Emerson going forward. So it would make sense for him to be, you know, playing on a team in the same province.
1: Yeah. I, Saskatchewan. I don't know. Like you said, when you said Saskatchewan, I started envisioning it and it made a lot of sense. And I know Calgary doesn't make splashes, but obviously he's not going to get huge money. No one's going to get huge money. I think that goes without saying, but I don't know. I could just kind of see him. I, I I don't know. It just, it kind of makes sense. You want to stay in the same province. We mm-hmm. probably wouldn't even have to move. Quite frankly, he could stay where he is and, and, and rent something in Calgary. So I don't know. I think, I think the stamps make, make a lot of sense for him as well. Another stud defensive tackle that's also hitting the market again is Micah Johnson, signed with the Lions a year ago, but obviously never played due to COVID. And then the year before that, he left Calgary to go to Saskatchewan. Kind of had a bit of a down year, but uh, he's a really, really good player. I'm kind of wondering uh, where he might end up, Mike. So what do you think? Where do you think Micah Johnson, who had a down year in 2019, might be playing in 2021?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one too. Maybe he bounces back to the... To the BC Lions. Yeah? Um, I could see that. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't have a reason for it. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that they could maybe use a guy like Micah Johnson in the middle of that uh, defensive line.
1: I think the Bombers have a really good shot at bringing Micah Johnson in. And I say that because they lost Drake Nevis in free agency last year to Toronto. He was their starter in the Grey Cup. They didn't really replace him in free agency last year. So that's still a hole there. And I think teaming him up with Willie Jefferson would be something that Bombers fans would salivate over. So I think Micah Johnson ends up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's go to linebacker. And now we're really getting in to a loaded, loaded class. We talked about Larry Dean. We won't go into where Larry Dean's going to go. We both hope he's with the Ticats, but we don't know. Um, But there's still a plenty, plenty of linebacking talent out there. Uh, let's start with, I was going to start with Ian Akamon, but let's start with Solomon El- Elmimi and Mike, where do you think he's going to land?
0: Well, I, I'm going to say he lands with the Tiger Cats. Um, obviously, it's out there already. There's a, a bit of a rumor floating around. Um, I don't think, I wish that the Tiger Cats would bring back Dean. I think he's gone. Um, so I could see him, like you said, uh, fitting back into that uh, Mark Washington defense with the Tiger Cats.
1: I don't make bold proc I mean, I make bold proclamations. Who am I kidding? I make bold statements on this show every bloody week. I think Solomon L. Lillian will be a Hamilton Tiger Cat. This is not a guess. I think there's just... Where there's smoke, there's fire. And if you recall when he signed in Saskatchewan, the runners up for his services were the Tiger Cats. So I think... With a chance to sort of uh, get back together or get together again for the first time after spurning one another before, I think Elmimian El lands in Hamilton, and I think that Larry Dean lands in Saskatchewan as kind of a bonus take for me. Oh, you know, I think they basically you know. switch. I, I think they basically switch places. It's a trade, yeah, it Being a uh, trade, you know,
0: Elmimian wants one more championship before he retires. That would probably be a good spot for him. I'm hoping. Yeah,
1: and if he ever wants to get into coaching, he's familiar with the coach. Maybe transition yeah. into a coach. Anyway. I, I I do think he ends up with the Ticats, unless some offer comes out that just blows the doors off of it. Uh, Enoch Mwamba, as, seems like he's a free agent every six months, quite frankly. Yeah. It seems like we're always talking about where he's going to end up. Uh, another great player I think would look great in black and gold if if Elamemlian decides to, to go elsewhere. Where do you think Enoch Mwamba might end up?
0: Yeah, it's it, for such a great player, it's funny how he's... Always available, it seems. Um, maybe it's because he's a Canadian and the price tag is is a bit high. Uh, maybe that it, it's like that this year again. But uh, you know, maybe he he slides to Ottawa. Um, Ottawa. I'm not sure who's their middle linebacker in Ottawa. Do they have one right now? Uh, I think, name. I
1: think it was Avery Williams, who's a pretty good player, but I don't know if he they was. They brought there. him back. I think they brought him back, but I'm not sure if he was a yeah. middle linebacker. Or if he was there, you know what? I'm, I'm really not you sure. But what? I mean, m- whoever they have, Mwamba's an upgrade.
0: Mwamba used to be with the Riders, right? Did he not? Yep. Or yeah, did he, played he, not? The, yep, he played with the Riders. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? i scratch that. I'm going to say that they the Riders lose LMA. I and mean, you say Dean goes there. I'm going to say Mwamba. They pick up Mwamba and goes to the Riders.
1: Okay. I think he ends up back in Montreal. I think he'll go out there. He'll field some offers. Obviously, he's been fielding offers. That legal tampering period is still open right now. But I think he, uh, I think he heads back to the Owls. Just, I don't know. Just kind of makes sense to me.
0: The hey, other imagine the the the, the duo of, you know, the two Canadians in Saskatchewan, who, Mawama and uh, Cam Judge. That'd oh. be that'd be quite the thing.
1: Well, that's funny you mentioned Cam Judge because that's who we're talking about next. Cam Judge is a free agent. He's fielding NFL offers, but none have really materialized. He's probably the biggest fish left because he's a starting caliber Canadian linebacker. I don't think there's anyone else uh, that would could, could sort of touch him. He's probably the guy that he's if whenever his domino falls, that'll cause all the other ones to go with it. Uh, where do you think you think Cam Drake is staying in Saskatchewan? You think the Riders are yeah. pony up the dough to keep him there?
0: I do. Um, you know, after losing like big price guys like uh, Charles and Hughes, uh, I think there's going to be some some money available. I I just don't think they can afford to let a guy like Cam Judge go unless he's going to the NFL. I just don't think he's going to be signing anywhere else. Uh, the Riders are going to make a big push for him, and um, he's a very important piece to their team, and uh, I think he'll be back with the Riders.
1: Uh, I don't think he will be. I think he's going to the Argos. Ooh. There's, There's been some rumors there that the Argos are prepping a Former of big GM, yeah. So... Yeah, John Murphy is in Toronto, yeah. so we saw that. That's probably one of the reasons they were able to land Charleston Hughes as quickly as they did. I think Judge lands in Toronto. I think I think the Argos are are going for it. I, they have they have a lot of holes in their roster. They've done a really good job filling them. I'm not convinced yeah. that they're ready to unseat the Owls, let alone the TyCats as the team mm-hmm. in the East. But uh, yeah. no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with the Argos landing Cam Judge. Uh, And I think
0: that this is what the Argonauts need to do. Sorry, just like go 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 off on here. But I think that's what they need. They need to be that team that signs everybody, you know, go for it every year, you know, try to make a splash, try to be a dominant team in this league. And maybe some people start noticing and you'll start getting more fans out to the, to the games. And I don't want to go off on another attendance, Toronto Argonauts (laughs) thing, but uh, I think that's what they need to do. They need to be aggressive every single season.
1: I don't disagree with that. I think every team honestly should be that way. Uh mm-hmm. but I no, I do I do agree with you on on the Toronto aspects there. Former friend alert, Don Unamba uh, signed with Ottawa last year after a year in Edmonton, obviously, like everyone in 2020 didn't play it down. Uh where could you see him ending up?
0: See Donny boy. I like Donny boy. Um I'd like him back with the Tiger Cats to be honest. <laughs> I mean, um he was uh he, he played Tremendously for the Tiger Cats when he was there, and he left for a year. It's time for him to come back.
1: So, oh, okay. So, do you think his return would then? Is that Patrick Levels gone, or is that yes. Rico Murray gone?
0: I think they're both gone. I I'm think not They're not both sure gone. They, I think I don't know if I don't know if they're going to be able to sign either one of those guys. Um, I don't know the cap situation. You know, it's hard to tell. Um, they brought back a lot of guys already. You know, signing a guy like DeVere Posey um you know it probably wasn't cheap um you know maybe they're sitting on some money still and maybe one or two of those guys come back but uh i don't know we're getting pretty close to free agency here so i you know me i'd like to see you know either you know all if if we get one of those guys i'd be happy but uh i'd like to see yanamba back for sure
1: i think he's gonna stick in ottawa i think he signed there for a reason uh i i find it kind of odd that they haven't prioritize bringing back he's a he's a really good player he's had, i think back-to-back all-star mm-hmm. campaigns with the Ty cats and with edmonton so it seems kind of weird that they wouldn't want to bring in or keep one of the guys that they brought in a year ago so i'm i'm gonna say that when when all the smoke clears that he he stays a red black yeah because uh, it is a
0: tough position to fill right i mean it is it's one of, it's of the hard hardest positions to, to fill in the cfl yeah one of the
1: toughest yep. you find a guy like that you you do everything you, you can keep, to hang on to him yep uh last db on the board here another guy late of calgary but really late of montreal siante evans really good defensive back that's uh ready to hit the market mike where do you think he could end up
0: Uh, not with the tie cats i'll tell you that um let's say you know ottawa's always hurting let's say ottawa
1: ottawa sounds pretty good um I think he could be a target of the Thai Cats if, say, they lose out on Patrick Levels and Rico Murray. They both go elsewhere. I think you could see Evans, who has some experience playing at the uh, fieldside halfback position, maybe even a guy that you could push to Sam linebacker. I don't know if he's necessarily suited for that, but, you know, you know, you never know. Some of these DBs, when they, if they're not as fast as others, can sort of transition to the linebacking role. So I could see him potentially being a Ticats target. Um... I do wonder if maybe he heads back to Calgary. I know again the Stamps don't make a ton of splashes in free agency, but uh, he's one of those ones that got away. So I do kind of wonder if uh, if maybe the Stamps might be interested in bringing him back. So I'll I'll say Calgary. Uh, kickers, Mike. We got to talk about kickers before we get to the quarterbacks. Uh, first up, Justin Medlock. Old friend alert as well. Where do you think the, uh, in my opinion, greatest kicker of all time ends up?
0: I want to say Hamilton, but I think that um, he ends up resigning in Winnipeg. Um, you know, he's been a he's been a fixture there for you know since he left the Ty Cats. Uh, he's done a tremendous job. Uh, I just think that he he resigns with the defending champs.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think it's either that or it's retirement. I think it's one of the two, uh, but as much as I too would like to see him back in Hamilton. I, I, I think he sticks out in Winnipeg. I think he's, he's made that his home since he left Hamilton. So, uh, makes sense for me. Uh, last kicker on the board, Mike, your favorite kicker in the CFL, Brett Lother of the riders mm. is a free agent. Where do you think he ends up?
0: <laughs> uh, well,
1: for those that know, they know why I said that he's your favorite kicker yeah. in the CFL.
0: Well, I mean, he's, he's got that, uh, no, I think he's going to end up on an NFL team. Josh, you <laughs> know, all the, all the tagging of the social media NFL team is going to, you know. He, 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 uh, before he blocked me there, he, uh, he sent me a message that said, you know, he had little, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, he deleted it pretty quickly. Um, he had a, con- it was a private conversation with Henry Burris, and Henry Burris said that he's showing people and he, there, there's some interest there. So I'm surprised he hasn't signed with the Bears yet, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I hope he doesn't end up a tiger cat because that, <laughs> that would, you know, mean that a, a tiger cat hates me, which, uh, you know, maybe it was a little harsh on him with the um, the tagging of uh, one of his clips on, on Twitter and saying I it that it doesn't work that way. Maybe, maybe don't do that. But, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. He's a good kicker. Um, he's going to end up somewhere. Uh, I think if if he if he ends up anywhere in the CFL, it's going to be back with the Rough Riders. I think. Although he said recently that he does he doesn't want to sign in the CFL because he's he, um, not sure if there's going to be a season or not. So, who knows? If it's anywhere, I think it'll be Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. He's kind of he's kind of beloved in Riderville, so I don't really see why, unless the money was stupid somewhere else, mm-hmm. why he would leave there to go to go anywhere else. So, I I too think he he lines up uh, back with the Riders. Okay, quarterback Mike. There are, aside from McLeod Bethel Thompson, there aren't any starting caliber quarterbacks available. But we have to talk about Michael O'Connor, the UBC grad, the Canadian quarterback. Do you think he gets a sniff of the starting role at any point in his career? And if so, where do you think that could be? And is it his next landing spot?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. You know, they were they're We're always looking for the next great Canadian quarterback that never seems to come. You know, our our last next great quarterback was uh, Brandon Bridge, and he was not good at all. Yeah, that did not um, work just, out. That did not work out. But I think O'Connor's a, a better quarterback
1: than Brandon Bridge.
0: Okay. I do. Okay, we'll see. Well, um, I mean, okay,
1: so to, for in full transparency, Michael okay. O'Connor did finish his university career at UBC, but he did go to Penn State. So it's not right. like... He's not, you know, where did Brandon Bridwell like South Alabama University or something? Like, mm-hmm. uh, now he wasn't good enough to unseat any of the starters at Penn State, but I mean, to get to Penn State, you have to be, you have to have some talent.
0: That's true. That's true. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, downplaying Michael O'Connor and and the talent he has. It's just, you know, we've, it's just tough to get that opportunity, you know, because coaches have, you know, they want to win right now. If they don't win right now. The GMs don't win right now; then they're out of a job very quickly. So, you know, to put all your faith in, in a Canadian quarterback is tough for the for these guys. You know, it's they don't have the experience; they don't have the. You know, you said he went to Penn State, but he didn't really play. No. Um, you know, guys. You know, head coaches, offensive coordinators, GMs in this league want a guy that who played at a high level in college football, and and um, you know, it's tough for Canadian quarterbacks. So. Uh, I have nothing against him. Maybe maybe he will be a starter one day, but I don't see it anytime soon. Um, And I don't really see it at all. I don't. I don't know if there's going to be a legit starting Canadian quarterback in the CFL in my lifetime. You know, it's just that hard to do unless there's a guy, there's an absolute stud that comes out of uh, you know NCAA football who who led a team and and played really well. Um, at that level, it's going to be tough to be a starting Canadian quarterback in this league.
1: Okay. So where do you think he's going? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Shut up, Mike. Where do you <laughs> no, no, no. Not shut up, Mike. I, I, I,
1: look, I teed okay. up the question. I wanted you to answer and that was a great answer. I know. Now, now I'm just I know. curious. Where do you, where do you think he might end up? Because I think there is a market for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so too. Um, maybe he ends up back, back with the Argonauts. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's where he's going to go, you know, get him as a backup, see how he develops, and maybe, you know, in the least Canadian city in Canada, he's <laughs> a starting quarterback for that team.
1: That would actually be kind of funny if he ended up being the starting quarterback for the Argos, as you said, the least Canadian city in Canada. It would Canada. be, yeah. I, this is, it, it goes against everything they, they tend to do, but what about the Calgary Stampeders? What do they really have now that they've traded Nick Arbuckle, What do they really have behind Bo Levi Mitchell? Not much, as far as I can recall. So why not? I mean, the Stamps brought Brad Snoplin into the league, had him be a quarterback for a couple of years before they transitioned him to receiver. I'm not saying they're going to transition Michael O'Connor into a receiver, but why not bring him in? I I think he's, he's skilled enough to be the primary backup. They had Andrew Buckley as the legit backup quarterback to Mitchell for a couple of years before. So they're not averse to having Canadian quarterbacks be their backup quarterback so I don't know I think Calgary could be an interesting landing spot for O'Connor so that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna peg him at so uh just to kind of wrap up free agency is there anything that you feel certain about or anything that you feel any bold prediction you'd like to make or just what are your overall thoughts about where we're headed like free agency it feels like we've been talking about this for a while but you know what I mean like there was no season in 2020 so we've all just been talking about player movement but I don't know, free, free agency actually being here feels like maybe, and with the guys re-signing and getting signing bonuses and all this other sorts of stuff, I don't know, Feels really does feel like we're going to get some form of CFL football in 2021. But what do you think? Is there anything out there, any sort of lasting impression you want to leave on the listeners as to what you think could happen starting Tuesday?
0: Well, I don't have any predictions on uh, players going to certain teams, but I think the, this year there's going to be some really good players out there that aren't going to be signed because of the situation that we're in with, you know, the COVID and the, you know, trying to save money and the spending. Although, you know, some teams don't really seem to be doing that, but uh, I think there's going to be some big names out there that don't find a landing spot. That's that's one of my bold predictions.
1: So mine is going to be this, the Hamilton Tiger cats will do something you do not expect. It seems to be what they've done the last few years. Did anyone have them as a landing spot for Devere De Posey or Patrick Levels a year ago? Because I sure as heck didn't. And what did no. they do? Within within a two-day span, they bring back Larry Dean. They signed Don Jackson. They bring in Posey, and they bring in Levels. And I don't know if I would have had any of those moves on the Ticats radar as potential acquisitions. So I think that at some point at the, at the start of free agency, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, they're going to make a move and bring a guy in that you're going to go— I never saw that coming. So that's sort of my my final thoughts on free agency. But before we go, Mike, I'm, I am I want to talk to you about uh, your Grey Cup flashback series that you you brought back up. You just recorded and we posted the, what was it, the 1963 Hamilton Tiger Cats team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what was it like to, to research that? And then what do you got coming up next?
0: Oh, it was great. You know, I, I wrote this script for it so long ago and I never got around to uh, recording it. I was kind of down... You know, after the season was canceled, I wasn't really, you know, I was kind of upset um, that there was no CFL football this year. I wasn't feeling up to it. But I finally got around to recording it the other day. Um, it was great, by the way. I gave
1: it a listen. It was awesome.
0: Thank I you, sir. I love these thank You guys, you,
1: you do a great job on these.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, it's great to look into these older teams, you know, the teams that were champions before you and I were around. So 1963 game is famous for – the Mosca hit on Willie Fleming and the controversy that uh, that followed. That I touched on that just a little bit. Um, I didn't think the hit was as bad as the BC Lions no, fans make it I, out to be. It, you know,
1: here's the thing. I remember not to cut you off, but I remember no. always seeing highlights of that hit and going like, "That's, that's it." That yeah, like it just got, it almost looks like Mosca just kind of like falls on him almost. Like yeah. I never like I get that Mosca had a reputation as kind of like a dirty player and. I mean, maybe if he played nowadays, we wouldn't like him. We we would have him in sort of a, sort of the you know off suspended role of a player. But like I, I saw it, <laughs> I've seen it highlight so many times, and I'm just like, like that's like you said, that's it. Like that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I felt, it felt it, it didn't feel that that devastating to me.
0: No, no, it was just. I think it was just the player. Um, it was it was Mosca, you know, the dirty player, quote unquote. Yep. And the star running back that was so important to their team, oh, he's out now. I think it was more just that he got injured more than um, the actual hit. Mm-hmm. Because the actual hit, he came in, he was a tiny, like, uh, you know, uh, half a second late, you know, maybe even less. And uh, his knee grazed his helmet. There was no malicious intent that I saw or anything like that. So um, I, I just think that, you know, he took out a star player The BC lands were bc lion fans were upset about that and uh you know it didn't help that bc would end up losing that game either so um a pretty dominant performance by the tiger cats in that in that gray cup um by the defense which was and the offense played well as well as well and uh you know the defense was the tiger cat football in that era and it showed in that gray cup so it was a lot of fun to look back into that and uh I hope anyone who's listening to this will uh, give it a give it a download, and um, you know it's a, it's a short; it's only about seven minutes long. But uh, yeah, it's a nice little history lesson in Thai cat football.
1: Yeah, you can take a listen to it while you're taking a poop. It's a it's exactly. a good it's a good poop size podcast episode. Yeah, uh, so most what's next?
0: poops are average seven minutes, you know. So <laughs> there you go.
1: I mean, poops now with you on your phone or what your tablet or whatever, and take like twenty five minutes because you yeah, you, you, poop for, you poop for three of them and then get lost <laughs> in the shuffle. Uh, what's up next? 65, right?
0: 65. I'll be starting working on that. Uh, I'll probably be out in the next seven years and, uh, <laughs> uh well, tell me happened? how you feel about it then. But yeah, it's a, it's nice to dive into these sixties teams because as I mentioned on the 63 episode, you know, it's the most dominant decade yep. in Ticats history. Um, they won three great cups, but they were in a lot more than that. So, um, like the 63 team, they were in the previous two great cups including a loss to the the hated Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 62, 28-27 in the Grey Cup game. So um, they were sniffing that title uh, leading up to 63. And uh, yeah, 65 will be a fun one to look into as well.
1: How insufferable would you and I be if the 2020s are anything like that late 50s to late 60s type? I think they made nine Grey Cups in 11 years, if I'm not mistaken, from like 57 to 67, I think. And they yeah. won three or four. I can't, maybe five. Maybe it was five. I think they won five in that span. How just obnoxious would you and I be if this next decade is like that, where they get to the cup nearly every year and they win five of them? We,
0: uh, well, yeah, that would be, be pretty over the top.
1: Oh, it would be terrible. I mean, it'd be awesome, but it would be terrible for everybody else.
0: I think that I'd still predict a nine and nine season every be- year. <laughs> I'm just a negative Nancy, itself. So. <laughs>
1: you still could predict a 99 season. You'd still complain about the offensive line.
0: Yep, yep. No kicker. No <laughs> offensive line. What's going on? I'm worried.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, have you used the <clears> – <throat> pardon me – the Grey Cup portal where they're uploading the games? I don't think they have any of the Kite games up there yet, do they?
0: No. No, I don't believe so. I, I watched, I think – the first half, the the first game that they have like not just highlights, um, like they have the full games. 1954, I believe. And I watched some of that, and I was, I was surprised at the offensive production. You know, you know back then, um, I didn't expect. Uh, there was a couple of big massive plays. You know, they had some really good quarterbacks in that game, Sam Echeverry and um, oh, crap, I can't remember the other one, but they're both legends and they could toss the ball and there were some trick plays there were some run around scrambling it was really fun to watch i was i was more entertained um by it than i thought i would be for such an old game
1: yeah it'll be it'll be good for your research when they get those old tie-cat games up yes. there hopefully before you're done with the series i mean i know that we Absolutely. we have access to 86 and 99 rather mm-hmm. easily but uh it'll be kind of fun for you to hopefully they'll get those up and you can you can actually watch the full game and, and cause I don't, I don't know if there's anywhere else that you can really find those like great cups from that era.
0: I think there was a YouTube channel that I yeah, watched. Yeah. They got shut down. I think it got shut down, but there was, I think either, I watched the the highlights from 57 and I think I watched the whole game of uh, the 63 Grey cup when it was up there. But uh, yeah, it'll be great to have, you know, a platform that you know is not going to disappear and uh Absolutely. has the, the full games
1: for sure for sure so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one i've listened to all three episodes so far and i think that they are they're wonderful so uh i'm looking forward to you doing more i was i was i didn't want to bring it up when you weren't doing them because i figured ah uh, he's probably bummed out about there being no season but man i've kind of missed missed him doing this series but maybe with the gray cup portal coming out there'll be a renewed interest in some of the older stuff and uh and, and it may give you some some Other stuff where you could uh, even enhance your research even more because I think you're doing an excellent job. So I can't wait to hear the next one. Uh, But that was Podsky Wee Wee for this week. I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham. Eat 'em raw.
1: Eat 'em raw.